This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Hi, everybody. Two Nerds in a Joke here. Robert and Ernie. I'm Ernie. And I'm Robert, thanking the disembodied hot girl voice for Ernie. But, yes. you know. Yes, we have to change <laughs> things up. You know, I figure I'll let you do that this time around. Aww. Oh, that's so sweet of you. He, he's such a nice man, let me tell you. Ernie is is a saint among men. It's oh, a marvelous thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we actually have a great, great time coming towards you today because, as everybody knows, we're a huge fan of comics and we're a huge fan of independent artists, up-and-comers, yes. the next big things. Um, Ernie, I believe you have a collection of comics from independent artists coming your way here very in the near future. Very near future in the works of getting some of this stuff coming from uh, Legacy Comics. Yes, and we have, ironically, another person from the Legacy Comics uh, anthology that's going to be coming out early next year. Perfect timing for Halloween also. We have Marius with us, and they are an artist, and they are – one of their great stories is going to be in this anthology, and it's a really creepy concept. I love it. Um, Marius. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about this great story you have. Well, uh, hello, first. <laughs> and uh, Hi. I'm, uh, I'm a French artist, and uh, my story is about uh, Sherlock Holmes and uh, James Moriarty as demons uh, hunting Jack the Ripper. I know it's a very so, weird concept. It's very weird, but kind of cool. So it sounds like from the description I saw online from, from, from the article about you, which is so cool by the way i've never had an article written about me so i feel very proud to have you on the show but it sounds like you're almost flipping the roles so that where jack the ripper and mariotti being demons who's the hero are there heroes in your story yes there are more um you know anti anti heroes i don't know if i if i'm pronouncing it well <laughs> uh james is um He's a strange man, you know, he's a very strange. He's not a good man, but he's not a bad man either. And uh, Sherlock is definitely not an angel <laughs> either. But uh, Jack is very, very bad on the other hand. He's a killer and uh, he loves what he's doing. He loves his job and he's, he's pretty sure that he's doing the right thing, you know. Well, that's that's cool that you decided to go this route. I mean, you know, usually what we see like mainstream here in in the states is you you know uh, the usual formula. You know, good guy being the hero, uh, bad guy villain, obvious like plot. You know, and the good guy always triumphs. But I find the more interesting stories uh, where there is the hero somewhat flawed or not really somebody that we could uh, generally think of as a hero. Um, where did you pull your inspiration from for this? I think my inspiration comes from many places because I love uh, reading. I love Sherlock Holmes. I love uh, comic books. And I love um, mystery books uh, in general, you know. And my parents used to read a lot. <laughs> I think I'm a bit like them, you know. So what was your first Sherlock Holmes novel? What was the first one you read? Uh, I know only the French title, so it was uh, Le Ruban Moucheté. It was about um, uh, a father who was trying to kill his daughter with a snake. And uh, le, le, the famous Ruban Moucheté was the snake. Oh, yeah. The, Ernie, you know that that one, too. It's called a spotted red snake something. I remember it because it, it looked like so it was familiar. Yes. It was like a scarlet necktie or something like that yeah, in English. It would be like something that. like that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. That was a, I think that was a further along story, right, Ernie? That yes. was not like one of the first. That was a later story. But that's a that's story. a twisted story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So how long? So I, I, as we were talking a little before the show, you were born in France. So yes. obviously, a lot of your your literature kind of pull from any f- French stories, or did you pull from just whatever you were given to read? A little bit of both, because uh, in France we have a lot of good uh, um, writers, you know. And uh, my favorite was uh, Baudelaire. It's a poet. He was a poet, and he was uh, so dark and gloomy in all his works. And he wrote uh, The Spleen. He wrote uh, Les Fleurs du Mal. And uh, I have all his works here because my father gave it, gave them to me. And my favorite books of all times are Les Rois Maudits, uh, A Curse Qu- Qu- Kings. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna manage to pronounce it one day. And uh, it's about uh, the old king of France, Philippe le Bel, and that's what inspired Game of Thrones later on. Oh, I didn't know that. That's actually really interesting. Well, that's. Uh, I think it was first written in uh, 1955 or something like that, and the last book was in 1975, and uh, it it was uh, amazing because you had this whole story about Isabelle de France uh, and uh, Robert d'Artois going in a war with uh, with the English, and uh, why Isabelle was married to the King of England, and uh, Philippe le Bel was her father. And uh, you have conspiracies, uh, power plays. It's amazing. Well, that does sound neat. Now, when um, when you're doing your your when you notice in your landscape there of books and artists and things like that, do you ever find um, like some of the things um, that kind of get lost in translation, like some things that are like wildly like popular in your area, but like what it tries to make the the jump to other areas you see like a little disconnect are there any titles that you wish that kind of you you're kind of like wow i wish this would have worked better over there because it's so widely popular here or do you see anything like that mm, it's mostly uh, in both ways because there are books here that are very good yes and they don't make the jumps to usa or england but there also are good books in your country or in england or elsewhere that are not very well known in our in our country and uh, i noticed in our country there are the books by pierre botero e willan it wasn't well known in america or in england and the book is well written so i admit i was a bit sad to see that uh, it wasn't more getting more recognition in your country you know but at the same time i'm not that surprised because you also have a, lo- a lot of good writers and a lot of good stories to tell so i guess that's uh, how it works <laughs> it kind of balances yes, yes. <laughs> now i noticed your style of art because because obviously the second half of what you do is comics so obviously an art is, is the art is a big storyteller what you see um is the picture in I, I, there's a photo of you on your article and it shows a picture is that uh it looks like that's from the actual comic correct the the story the sherlock holmes story and it almost looks almost looks kind of manga-y in style these the facial drawings and the kind of expressions would is that kind of the style you were going for do you have a particular style you were looking to kind of replicate or are you trying to really kind of do something unique to yourself with it honestly i'm not going for anything it's my style 
as you said, and uh, I know that I have um, I've been inspired by many manga because when I was uh, younger, I used to watch uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Detective Conan, uh, I would watch uh, Tokyo Mew Mew, <laughs> and all that uh, stuff. And I would also watch Batman, and you know the animated series that uh, went out in um, 92, 1992? Oh, oh, God, that's classic. Yeah, yes. it's a classic. Now you got Ernie's attention. Yeah, now you got oh, Ernie's yeah, attention. Got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of his favorites. That was a great style of, and a very dark style, too, which is kind of what you were kind of going for with what you were doing as well. And I love this. I'm assuming that the it's two, it's three figures. If I can try and describe it, there's three figures. One that looks almost bald on. If you're looking at it on the uh, right side, on the left, there's a character with a lot of hair, and in the middle, kind of just the head, is this almost almost kind of a classic Harlequin clownish face. Almost. Um, I just love the style. Where did you kind of figure that kind of came from for you? That that particular figure in the middle. Uh, the clown comes from uh, <laughs> the classic bo- book It by Stephen King. It's uh, I I love that book. I love that book. I don't like the movie so much, but I love Stephen King's book, and uh, I keep on reading it even when I should not be reading it, <laughs> like at night. Instead <laughs> 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 <I'm> of sleeping. <laughs> But yeah, okay, I can totally see that. Yeah, okay, because I was like, that looks vaguely familiar, and I was trying to place it, and that is yeah, it's Pennywise. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. is so cool. That is a, that. Have you thought about doing that? Like doing a variant on that story? I mean, obviously far enough removed so Stephen King doesn't you know hunt you down, but <laughs> um, that would be something really cool that you really have kind of an art style for. It. I've thought about it actually. I wanted to pay homage to Stephen King by creating um, a story where the fear incarnation would be sort of the hero and uh, help a younger kid younger kid, and make sure that the, the kid becomes himself the fear incarnation later on. And But I never went along with, with the story, you know. I never actually uh, kept working on it. So, But uh, maybe one day I should de- develop it because uh, I love that kind of story. I wanted to to write it. Honestly, I wanted to write it. And and it kind of reminds me a little like the story type and the the darker venue almost kind of is like a, a Neil Gaiman kind of feel to it, where you're not really sure who the heroes and villains. There's definitely people who are better or nicer ish than others, or have better intentions. And kind of that feeling into that realm, kind of like a crossover into that um, mystery and intrigue that you're kind of developing would work really well for an it story as as well. Um, so that that's really cool. What are some of the other movies? I mean, are you into horror movies? Is that kind of your thing, or thrillers at all, or is it just that particular character and just the books? Actually, I I used to watch a lot of horror movies when I was a teenager. Today, not so much, but um, I used to watch. Uh, Kyojo, I think that's how you pronounce it. I used to watch Carrie. Uh, I used to watch uh, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy, all that jazz. And I was white uh, also Friday the 13th. So I used to watch classic or movies. I'm not too much into new or movies. I think they're too, you know, gore. There's, there's too much blood and not enough fear. Oh, I <clears throat> excuse me. I agree with that. Um, the the film style has definitely changed now that they have 
you know, better special effects is not so much about telling the story anymore or like building up that fear. It's kind of like they want to see like the person like entrails hanging out, things like that. Um, I, I totally agree with you on that. It, it, the older stories, uh, they incite a little bit more fear. Like it, I, I remember um, just the uh, the cover art of the first uh, run of that book. It, it had to be pulled from shelves because it was causing panic with some people, yeah. you know. Um, so now when you're writing your books, um, and I know they want to adapt them into comic books or graphic novels, do you ever um, like ever communicate well with like the person doing like the panels do you ever like change your work around and say this is kind of like what i want this panel to look like or this is what i write do you ever do collaborations like that or is it just this is my vision and this is what i need you to do well actually i'm doing everything myself uh (laughs) i i write i draw and i color everything uh, except for the horror anthology, I'm uh, working on a story that is not mine. I'm drawing the art, the art but the story was written by someone else. That's uh, the only exception, because u- usually I, w- I will uh, draw everything, letter everything, and uh, color everything. So, But I'm very, 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 uh, you know, I don't like where, when there is a flaw. In, in the in what I draw, so if I see something a mistake, I will correct it instantly, and I can start from scratch uh, all over again, and that uh, drives people around me completely mad, you know. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they it, they probably get pretty frustrated. Do you just tell them it's just part of the process, and 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 you know what you're doing? Or do you usually like find yourselves having those conversations? Yeah, but. Um, Fortunately, the people at Legacy Comics are very cool. They're very nice, and uh, uh, they're, they're very understanding. That's uh, when I talk to Brett, Brett Murphy. When I talk to him and I say, "Hey, um, I think there is a mistake there. I should uh, start over all over again," he understands. You know, he doesn't uh, get angry or anything, but uh, he understands because uh, I think he he knows what it's like to write and to to want everything to be perfect even if you know that perfection doesn't doesn't exist you're gonna get as close as you possibly can to getting there i find it so cool that you do both i mean that's that's really the the ultimate thing i'm surprised i mean maybe you do and you can tell us here do you have your own comic out have you done other so you say you work for others but have you done like a, a, a story besides this submission for the anthology are you doing like your own comic as well, or is that something you think you're going to plan on doing in the future? Well, the comic you saw on the article that uh, that was published in France is uh, is my comic. It's not in the or anthology. The or anthology, I draw something else for it. But uh, I've also published books, novels, here in France, and actually it worked pretty well for me. But uh, I it was not a bestseller. <laughs> I'm not the author of Harry Potter, <laughs> but uh, it worked well, and I was happy with that. Just knowing that there are people who enjoy what I was writing, it was amazing. Well, that brings me to a question: like, like if you had to like uh, talk to somebody that's like on the verge of like putting something out, but they're always, you know, concerned about, well, how will it be received? Is it is it better to like as the author to be 
I'm going to create something that's going to be well received, or is it going to be something that you yourself are going to be proud of? I would say it's better to be proud of what you're doing because it's kind of easy now to see what's what works and what doesn't. I mean, if you want to write a bestseller, you can write a I don't know, uh, the, the new Twilight, the new Harry Potter, and you can copy what you see, but that's not interesting. If you want to be proud of yourself, be proud of what you write, be proud of what you draw. Publish it because you love it. Don't publish it because it can be sold, you know? Yeah, because it's, it's a hard process to create, because I know Ernie's always fantasized about creating a, a story for comics. He's not, he's not, I don't know if he's much of an artist. I don't ever seen you draw Ernie, but I oh, know. No, you... no, I can't sketch <laughs> for anything. Uh, I'm a bad, I, I don't have the eye for it. Yeah. But you definitely have the eye for, you, you definitely have the ability to tell a, a decent story, a short comic yeah. based story. I think you could I do like well. Yeah. I'm a good yeah. storyteller. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got the story part, but he hasn't actually written anything. I've written like I'm, I'm trying to work on my first book. We'll see, but it's it's very difficult process because for me, I have the idea of the story, but I'm very, I, I feel I'm very bad at like dialogue, like the conversations. Like I don't build my characters enough. Um, so you've obviously done novels, you've you published, you're now doing the comics. Is that a challenge for you? It, the conversations, getting that flow in your head of having to talk as two people or three or whatever the scenario is, or is that the easy part for you? And something else is the challenge. That's actually a good question because uh, I love writing conversations, but sometimes I forget that the reader doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so sometimes I have to go back and yeah. say, no, I have to include a conversation so, so people can see what they're talking about. If I don't do that, people will not know what I'm talking about and they're going, they're going to get lost in the book. And that's not interesting for them. So that's challenging, yes. But at the same time, I love it because that's a way for me to to let the characters talk for themselves. Man, I, I, it's I, you. You really need to be proud of yourself because like, I can. I can honestly say for me, that is the biggest struggle I have is really kind to put yourself into the character shoes and talk as the character. I always find that so difficult for myself. So that's that's a great skill to be able to have. Um, we are actually, Ernie, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Um, when we come back, I want to find out some more about character development. And if, if you had a chance, what of your books or comics would you love to see on the big screen? So we'll be right back after a short commercial break from our sponsors. And uh, we'll see you guys in a hot moment. And Ernie, that's you. Seamless transition. And we return back into the mix. I want to say this has been a lot of fun. I love talking comics with with young artists because you are you know younger than us, anyways. We know that for a fact. But I wanted to ask: the adaptation is such a huge thing in the world of of entertainment today. Is there a book of yours or a comic of yours that you've written that you worked on? And you say, you know what? I want to see this on the big screen someday. There's a book I'm writing right now, a novel actually for Legacy, uh, that I would want to see on the big screen or in, even on the on a TV screen, you know, it's a mix of fantasy and sci-fi. And I'm having so much fun writing it that I would want to share it with the world. So, but I, at the same time, I'm not too into screen adaptations because sometimes they're very disappointing, you know. That is very true. It, we've seen that so many times. So 
give me kind of a, a short list of some of the stuff you've you've kind of written and done so far, and then maybe a little hint of what the new one's going to be about. Well, most of my former work is unpublished because I decided that it wasn't worth being read. I'm very perfectionist, and uh, it was Velvet Black Star. There was Sold, and there was uh, Charlotte Black. And there was another book, and I forgot the title. I managed to forget uh, for, to forget the title of my own book. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the new one, uh, is, the new novel is um, is a fantasy book, as I said, with a mix of sci- science fiction. But I don't have a, a title yet. It's a temporary title, and it's in French, so it's uh, L'héritier de la braise, and. Uh, I want to to make sure that the title is uh, unique and that people can understand it quickly. So I'm probably going to change it. And my comics are... Uh, uh, watch me uh, <laughs> mess up that name. Uh, <laughs> there is a CD Inferno and uh, Among Us. And that's not easy to pronounce. <laughs> you did, did well. You did very well. <laughs> And that's not easy for me because, as I said, I'm French and my accent is very French. <laughs> Apparently, it gets worse with, with time. No, no, no. You actually classed up our, our podcast here just with the French accent. We really appreciate that. <laughs> um, now, earlier you mentioned like uh, you, you, read, you read a lot of uh, Stephen King books. What is it that Stephen King, in your mind, does well in his stories? Like... What is it that he does so well? My favorite thing about his books is the way he creates fear with something that is not supposed to be scary. Like, clowns are not supposed to be scary. They're supposed to be laughable. And at the same time, when you write about it, it's scary. Shining is terrifying. Uh, Carrie, it's about a young girl who wants to fit in and she can't and she's so relatable and you can't um you can't hate her because you understand her and at the same time you're like no killing people is sort of a big no no you know (laughs) yeah no and kyujo was my uh the most terrifying book i've ever read because i'm a bit scared of dogs i have a dog here but i'm a bit scared of them and when i read kyujo i was like oh no (laughs) no 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 but, and I think he can create fear with not with anything, and that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, like the Shining was really weird to me because it was you weren't really sure. I mean, obviously there's some scary scenes in it, obviously, but you were like, I'm not sure what to be scared of, and then he kind of scares you, and like I'm not sure why I'm scared, but I know I'm scared, <laughs> and like I'm not sure. I, I, I think there's a huge, well, not huge, but there is a differential between how. Uh, European in general, but French specifically, view clowns and Americans view clowns. Like, I think there's a lot more fear in America of clowns than there is in Europe. I don't know. You you tell me, is there, I mean, is you said they're kind of considered lovable. Are they considered lovable in most of Europe? Like, they're not a, they're not a creepy thing? And did Stephen King just ruin it for all of us? I would say that, yes. Because <laughs> I, I think there, there, there was a story about... Uh, Creepy clowns in your country, yes. Uh, people who dressed as clowns and went uh, out of their, uh, their home to scare people uh, during Halloween time. Mm-hmm. In France, we 
we don't have that problem, unfortunately. <laughs> so we, I remember that when I was a kid, my grandmother would buy me um, clowns as, as dolls, you know? So yeah, they're not scary for us. They're, we laugh when, they, when we see them. And, but I think if I saw a clown running at me with, with a knife, I would run too. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much the clown, it's more the knife at that point, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. Because I love the Joker, so <laughs> the clown is not the problem. <laughs> well, no, The Shining is very interesting because I read the book after I saw the movie, and they're co- two completely th- different things. I think we mentioned that earlier that you were kind of concerned about, like, wanting your work to, like, translate, you know, be able to, like, adapt well to the screen. And if I'm not mistaken, like, Stephen King did not agree with the way the shining came out um because yeah. he, he he had that book was a very supernatural book and the the director stanley kubrick who was um you know a big deal in his day and and his work is still considered one of the best of american directors uh he didn't believe in that so he kind of changed the way the story went in the movie away from the the mystical like the actual shining part of it um, do you ever see that over there in uh, in in Europe, France, where like you read a book and and they try to adapt it to a screen and and you notice the big difference? Yeah, actually, I have one example that comes to mind. It's uh, the Phantom of the Opera. It was adapted in many ways by many people, and nev- never, I never saw one get it right. Wow! And I love the movie the phantom of the Opera, but it's not it's nothing like the book and that's sad and i love the book so i was a bit disappointed there's a uh, that's not a french author but bram stoker for dracula and dracula is a very different book from what uh, can be seen in the movie uh, you have dr jekyll and mr hyde uh nothing like the book when you see the movie so but I think that's a problem that everyone has when you adapt a, a classic. And then you have the new books like Harry Potter and Twilight, unfortunately. And, uh, uh, very feel the same way about Twilight. We feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you see the new books, you can't, you don't have the right to mess up when you adapt them because the, the writers are still there. So... Yeah, if Conan Doyle was still here, I don't know he would react if he saw the adaptations of Sherlock Holmes. And I'm not uh, trashing on Sherlock Holmes from the BBC because I love that uh, TV show. Oh, that was but so at the great. same time, when I saw the movies with Robert Downey Jr., I was not that impressed. I love Robert Downey Jr., but I didn't love the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and they, they steal elements or they take elements but it's really their own story and i was interested it's interesting about the phantom of the opera because it's been a play it's been as you said adapted to so many forms as a lot of these classics have and you know even like universal had for a hot minute just wanted to go back and do the classic monster movie stories like re redo all of them and they added so much nonsense in that it kind of took away from it and ended up you know crashing because they did their remake with uh, tom cruise of the mummy you know, which really goes all the way back. And it's like, it just didn't do it justice. Um, but yeah, it's very hard with the classics. Did you ever read um, uh, The Tale of Two Cities? 
That's one I'd like to see them try and do. Because I think that has it. Tales or to... Tales to what? The Tales of Two I Cities. Uh, no, I didn't read that. Yeah, that one's, um, it actually takes place um, in, I believe part of it takes in France, and it's actually a really good book. But it's all t- it all takes place in past tense, so I thought that might be really interesting. And then my classic, one of my classic favorites, it's called The Sea Wolf uh, by Jack London. And it's about this really crazy captain, and these two like innocent people get stuck on a ship, and it's almost like a, almost horrorish in the fact that they're stuck on this ship, and this captain is like totally insane. So I think there's still some out there that they could really kind of focus on, get some other stories out there, because they don't seem to be able to pull, as you said, like pull the story from the pages and really make you believe it and breathe life into it. So I I can kind of see where you might be a little hesitant to do that for yourself. Yeah, because mostly because I I saw the the work that has been done with Notre Dame de Paris, for, for example. I love Notre Dame de Paris as a book, and I also love the cathedral because I was born just in front of it. So oh, wow. I love that place. Yeah, there, there used to be a, an hospital there just next to the cathedral. And that was um, L'Hôtel Dieu. And no, it's closed. It's not uh, an hospital anymore. You can't uh, go and have a baby there. But my mother had me there. And uh, when I was born, apparently the bells of the of Notre Dame started ringing because it was the 15th of August. So oh, that's a story wow. for another time. But uh, I love Notre Dame oh. de Paris. And uh, I was a bit disappointed when I read the book after watching uh, The Hung Back of Notre Dame because the book and the cartoon were not the same thing at all. Oh, yeah. And no. I love oh, the book right about and I prefer that. the book. Yeah? yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've, I was at Notre Dame. I mean, it's so sad what happened. But I was at Notre Dame gosh years like five ten years ago and i was there during christmas i actually got to see like the high one of the high masses it was amazing they had the choir and the whole it was an incredible experience and then you go back and you it's a nice story but it's just not even close such a historical place such a beautiful place to explore um yeah it's just it's hard you know yeah no, and it's hard because it's one of those things like – and that's kind of the, the really cool thing about comics is it's so hard sometimes to really describe something that beautiful in words and really have the readers kind of feel the, the, what it's like to be there. you know. And with images, yeah. you can help it a little bit, a little bit, but it's so difficult to really pull that off. Yeah, and what's interesting about Notre Dame de Paris while, while we're talking about it, it's that actually it's very, very historically inaccurate. <laughs> the, gorg- the gargoyles weren't there in the medieval era. It didn- they didn't exist. And uh, most of the things that made Notre Dame de Paris lovable in the book weren't there actually when uh, the book takes place, you know. They don't exist at all in the in the Moyen-Age. So, you you see, uh, that's what I uh, I actually love with uh, books, that you can create a world with a world that already exists. But as you say, with words, it's very difficult to 
describes the beauty of things, describes the beauty of the humankind, of the of animals, of flowers. Simple things cannot be described with words. Oh, that is very true. Gosh, uh, my question, my my last question from you is is based on it's a little technology based. I'm not sure how if you're into technology at all. I don't know if if you've seen like the move uh, or the movement that's happened with uh, comic books and books moving into the digital realm, or are um, or into in, and moving away from the traditional bookstores and libraries, and with so much so many things being available online on the internet, um, do you think that books as we know it are going to be slowly moving away, or do you think that books will continue to thrive? I think they can't go away because there will still be people who will need them. Like you know, I love to read a good book and of course uh, a book on the digital market is easier to read because it's easier to reach but at the same time when you have a good book in your hands mm, that's a feeling that you can't get anywhere else and I think that will never go away and uh, there are books that people will want to buy because they want to to have them in their hands you know so I think there will be both. There will be digital books and there will be books in the libraries because we need that. Definitely, definitely. So I wanted to give you a moment here before we wrap up because this has been, again, I will say, you've, as Ernie said, you've, you seriously have now classed up our show tenfold. Uh, so it, it, that's very exciting of itself. But I wanted to give you a moment to really promote yourself, let people know, where they can get your stuff, the few things you have out there. I know you have the anthology coming out. Um, talk to us a little bit about where we, we can find you, where on the internet, so people can know about you. Well, you can find me on Facebook, because uh, I have Facebook, <laughs> even though I'm <laughs> not into social media at all. And um, the, that's my usual name, you know, Marius Grousset. So it's... Uh, We'll include that in the episode so everybody knows how it's spelled. And we'll actually, we I'm gonna if you're okay, I'd like to put the article in the the link so people can see the article about you too because I think that's really cool. If you're okay with yeah, that, yeah, sure, sure. That's uh, that's very nice of you. <laughs> very cool, very <laughs> cool. Um, so look for you in bookstores. Can we find anything of yours out there right now? I hope or soon. Soon, because uh, right now in France there uh, there is a book, but uh, I don't want anyone to buy it because the publisher I had there. Forgot to pay me for almost three years. Oh God! And uh, yeah, and oh. when I pointed that out to her, she said, "I'm old." So that's not an excuse. Oh <laughs> no! Yes, oh my did. God! Oh my God! Well, do do this. We're, you're out, this episode is going to be out in a little while. When you get a chance and, and you're and everything's straight, send us an email, and we'll definitely promote it when you say it's good to go. And we'll definitely okay. do that for you because it's been very exciting. I love your art style. I can't re wait to see the anthology with you in it. Uh, it's been – I'm just beside myself. I'm always – I always nerd out when I see people like you that really are able to do both the writing, the art, and just fun. Just fun. I love it. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Ernie, please at, make sure it stays well, classy. Before, before you say goodbye, do you, what? Do you think – I think – I mean – Yes. I think we have to ask, will you come back on the podcast? Maybe talk about some other things? If you want me to come back, yes. Oh, All fine. right, there we go. 
we got a friend of the podcast. We got an extra friend. You know, Ernie, I thank you because you are the social part of this podcast. You you keep the connections alive. That's that's what you're here for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, we'd love to have you back here, and love to talk more about the stuff you have coming out. Your book, your books that you're writing, the book that you will we'll talk about in the future when it's ready to be promoted, and of course this great comic of yours. So yes, definitely, Ernie. We are definitely going to try and get you come back out a little bit later in the year towards when your pod when your the anthology comes out. Bring you back on awesome to have you um but if you guys want to follow us and see more stuff on marius please make sure you're following us on anchor pod apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcasts and of course you can follow us on instagram twitter youtube facebook and of course the good and nice tumblr um so you can follow us on all those for the latest things in nerd fun ernie please keep us classy for one last moment and give us a nice peace out Peace out, everybody, and we will talk to you guys next time. And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel.